You're listening to Hawk Talk with former Seahawks wide receiver Michael Bumpus. At the 10-yard line, second and eight. Three wide receivers now in motion as Bumpus left to right. Julius Jones with single setback. Matt Pump fakes, looking to the goal line. He throws it into the end zone. Touchdown, Seahawks! It's Michael Bumpus with a diving catch in the end zone. A 10-yard touchdown reception for Bumpus, and the kid out of Washington State has found himself a place on this team. Powered by Seahawks.com. Welcome to Hawk Talk Recap Edition. The Seahawks lose to the Steelers 23-20 in overtime. Great game. This team battled back, was in position to win, but just couldn't get it done. And like we always do, we're going to get in the trenches with Ray Roberts. It's time to go inside the trenches with former Seahawk Ray Roberts. Big Ray, man. These Seahawks battled two halves, right? First half, no score. Second half, they get things going. And it was really what you and Robert Turbin have been asking for all season. The run game got things going. Um, What does the run game do and what did it do for this team last night? Well, I felt like, you know, in the first half of the game, like you know, we talked in the post game, it it seemed as if uh, the Seahawks were trying to fill out the the the, the Steeler defense on offense, so they weren't really committed to anything uh, more than just maybe running screens, uh, screens that they weren't working. But when they were able to start running the ball in the second half, it really settled the offense down. It gave it an identity. It gave the you know the the offense something that they that they could uh, rely on and trust. In the first half, I think. Um, uh, Collins had four, four carries for 17 yards, roughly four yards a carry. And in the second half, he added 16 more carries for over five yards a carry and ended up with the first 100-yard rushing game that Seahawks have had since December of 2019. And so, to me, that's kind of the recipe that kind of gets this offense going because then everything else works off of that. Even though you can run play action without a good running game, if you have a good running game, the play action is even more effective, in my opinion. And so it really helps slow down the pass rush, all those different things. So it really did give uh, the Seahawks a chance to get back into this game offensively and get the game to overtime. Do you think now we've been asking this question all year, right? What's their identity? Who, who do the Seahawks want to be? Do you think if and when Russell Wilson gets back, they're going to continue this kind of run first deal? You know, I I don't know if it has to be um, – I think, you know, some people kind of mischaracterize the whole idea of, like, run first. It's not necessarily run first. It's just run. It's like, it's like it has to be part of what you do. And if you if you kind of use it as an afterthought or, or you're just running in these really obvious run-down situations, uh, then it, you, you're going to put yourself at a disadvantage. So, like, even in the first half, say, there was a play where uh, Collins ran for, like, seven or eight yards and then the very next play they went to an empty backfield set it's like man you just ran you just ran for seven or eight yards run that thing again you know what i'm saying and it doesn't have to mean that you're running on first and second and passing on third hell if you run it on second down and pick up seven yards run it again on third if you run it on third down and pick up you know a first down run it again on the first down you know so it's it's not necessarily run run pass but it's just incorporating the run in a way that it's part of the identity and that the, the identity of the offense isn't just, you know, to get the ball out to the guys on the edges, you know, DK and Tyler and, and all the other skill guys we have, you know, at the receiver spot, but it has to be part of what they do. It kind of sets the stage for a lot of the other things that they want to do. 
Yeah, I feel you, Ray. There was a third and seven, and they ran the ball with Travis Homer and actually picked up the first down. I feel like if you can do things like that, um, you're going to keep teams guessing. So now let's go over to the defensive side of the ball. Seems like they had their best night of the year. What did you see out of the defense? Well, I, I felt like, you know, with Najee Harris, you know, a lot of people were talking about, you know, him coming into the into this game and uh, being able, you know, he's a, a very gifted running back and has a lot of skill set. Uh, but I, they did a pretty good job containing him running the ball. I guess the, the biggest disappointment was I just I just thought we'd get more hits and, and you know, not necessarily sacks because Ben Roethlisberger is a hard dude to sack. But uh, but I thought we'd get more hits on the quarterback. And at the end of the night, I don't know if we ended with any hits on the on the, on the the quarterback that was calculated as a, an actual hit. And so that was a little bit disappointing. But I thought they played pretty good in, in the run game. Uh, just could use – you know, with the guys that we had coming into the season, Myoa, Robinson, you know, Dunlap, Taylor, and pray to God that Taylor was health, healthy and able to fly back with the team. Uh, we just expected more pass rush uh, out of those guys. And, and at this point, that pass rush hasn't really materialized. So now the Hawks are 2-4. and four. Uh, Last time they were 2-4 and four was 2015. They still made the playoffs. But we got 17 games this year, Ray. Um, what are a couple of things that need to happen and be more consistent for this team to try to duplicate what they did in 2015 and make it to the playoffs? Well, I'll tell you right now, there's some very um, outspoken dudes on the team. Uh, and so it's going to be important from this point forward that they can just block out all the outside noise because all the outside noise is going to you know, be bringing up people's contracts or bringing up who, you know, who's making plays and who's not making plays and who should be playing and who shouldn't be playing. And, uh, and if you kind of get into that fight with folks, uh, it will impact your psyche. And so it's going to be up to guys like Bobby Wagner and, and Russell and, and Gino and those guys to kind of keep everybody focused just on the next game, because that's the only game that they can, that they can win. They can't win week 14 right now. They just need to win the very next game. And so, uh, staying focused on the task at hand and then just fighting their way back into it. This team, I think we forget there's a lot of new pieces on this team. There's new guys in the secondary, new guys on defense, guys that are that may have been around but have uh, more um, uh, bigger roles at this point on both sides of the ball. Uh, new new offensive linemen, you know, playing different spots, you know, you know, getting more playing time, all that kind of stuff, and so new offensive coordinator, it's going to take a while for all that stuff to kind of come together. And the hope is that, you know, the very next game is going to be that game that all that happens. And so you have to put all of your focus into bringing all of that, having all that stuff manifest itself in the very next game so you can put yourself back on track to fight your way and claw your way back into the playoff picture. It's all about Monday Night Football now, Ray. We'll, uh, we'll see you Monday. They take on the Saints at home. Yes, sir. Go Hawks. All right. That was Big Ray dropping some knowledge for y'all right now. But let's bring in NASA Choby and figure out what had happened. See, what had happened at first was. What happened was. What had happened was. On Hawk Talk. What had happened, man, Bump? It was Heartbreak Hotel in Pittsburgh last night as Seahawks fall the 2-4 and four on the season, dropping a game to the Steelers on Sunday Night Football. And we've said this a lot this year. Almost every it feels like almost every week that Seahawks games have been a tale of two halves. Um, in the first half, the Seahawks really struggled to get anything going offensively. I mean, look at that drive chart. It's 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 pretty hard. Punt, 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 punt. End of half. So they couldn't do anything. Five straight punts and took a knee to end the half. And on defense, things started off a little better. They they forced the uh, Steelers to punt on their first three drives, 
However, in that second quarter, that's when things really started going for the Steelers with back-to-back touchdown drives. One drive was eight plays for 54 yards. The next one was 14 plays for 64 yards, both resulting in touchdowns and bump. I'm not sure what happened at halftime, man. I'm not sure at all. But when the Seahawks came out, they're a completely different team in that second half. Third quarter has been really rough on this offense. Only had one game this year where they scored in the third quarter. And the Seahawks opened the third quarter with back-to-back long touchdown drives. Um, and the first one is what really got me going. You know, It was the first time we've really seen the Seahawks commit to something. They committed to running the football. Uh, they had 10 plays on that drive. They ran the ball nine times, passing just once. And Alex Collins rushed for like 70 yards on that, uh, on that drive alone and really got this offense going. So that was really good to see. I would like to... In my head, I'm in the locker room, and I see Pete Carroll like, go to Shane Waldron and whisper in his ear, run the ball, and just walk away. You know, like it's on some Godfather stuff, <laughs> and Shane's like, all right, I got you. That's exactly what we're going to do. So the second half, they come out. It was nice to see. It was also nice to see the tight ends get involved. Right, another scoring drive they had. Gerald Everett gets involved with a 41-yard reception. It was more the run after the catch. He was in beast mode, stiffs arms the guy, spins out of another tackle. And then Will Disley, who was my key hawk, yep. gets involved and scores a touchdown as well. So we saw some things that we haven't seen as of late. We saw them commit to the run game, and we saw them get the tight ends involved. I think if they can, if they can continue to sprinkle all that stuff in, maybe this offense looks a bit different. Yeah, no, it's it's there. It's good to see them, like you said, commit to something. Um, and Geno Smith, man, uh, we'll talk about all these guys and the playmakers. But Geno, he, uh, I thought he played well. He engineered an impressive nine-play, fifty-yard drive um, in the second half, uh, or excuse me, in the fourth quarter. The Seahawks were down twenty to seventeen with a minute thirty on the clock. He takes them right down the field. Then there was a bunch of craziness, right? That I mean, wow. it's. I guess I shouldn't be surprised. That's a, it's a typical Seahawks game. You know, nothing is ever normal or easy, especially in primetime. They drive down there, complete an out to uh, DK Metcalf on the sideline. He tries to stay in bounds, get a couple more yards. The ball gets punched out. Freddie Swain does a great job hustling to the football, re- uh, recovers it, then has a presence of mind to get up, sprint to the middle field, give the official the ball. Geno Smith clocks the ball with one second, but it turns out that play never happened because they buzz down from – uh, upstairs, the officials, they wanted to review the fumble. So then technically that happened with three seconds left. So then after the review said it was a fumble and clear recovery, then the Seahawks had to snap the ball again, clocked it again. Jason Myers ties the game with a field goal, sending the game into overtime. And bump, I felt really good about overtime. This team fought so hard to come back in that game. They yeah. scratched, clawed, fought. They were back in it. They win the coin toss. They get the ball to start. You think things are going well. Unfortunately, the Seahawks punt on that first drive. Then they kick it over to the Steelers and the Seahawks defense, who's been you know questionable at times of this season, really stepped up big. Huge play by Trey Brown. Uh, we'll break that down in the coach's corner. Set up another punt, and we get the ball back once again. And now in overtime with the new rules, once both teams have possessed the ball, the next score would have won. Uh, unfortunately, on that first play, kind of similar to that Rams game last on last Thursday, uh, they came out in a – a heavy set, their two-man route, nothing was open. Geno put the ball down, tried to rush, and then, uh, unfortunately, T.J. Watt made a great play, who was a nightmare for the Seahawks all game long, and uh, just didn't shake out for the Hawks, man. Tough. Man, that's why you pay players all that money for those moments right there. And T.J. Watt, man, he he got his – they got his return on T.J. Watt with that play. He, I mean, he was active all night. There were a couple of plays where he's punching at the football guys or asking them to get thrown out the game. Uh, you know, the league will look at that. But – um. 
Yeah, end of the day, these guys were in position to win a game. And I know fans will be frustrated and they're tired of end of the day type mm-hmm. quotes. But this is who this team is at this point. They're a team who are trying to figure things out and who are going to fight to stay in games. And if you have an opportunity to win games at this point of the season, you'll take it. Now it's time to go. You got two games coming up that are winnable. You're two and four. You got to get things going. All right, let's highlight some of these dudes. Let's look at the playmakers. Playmakers. Show them what time it is. Holy captain. All right, Playmakers, we mentioned his name already. Geno Smith making his first start since 2017. It's been a while. Geno obviously stepped in and played well against the Rams on Thursday Night Football. Last week, on Sunday night, he was 23 for 32 with 209 yards, one touchdown, at a QB rating of 99.6. And for me, I thought Geno... I thought he played well. You know, like I said, it took a while for the offense to get going in that first half. But once they, the Seahawks committed to running the football, and we'd hoped to see that anyway, going into this game without Russell Wilson, you know, other guys need to step up. And I said, you know, we were hopeful that Chris Carson was going to be able to go. He was not. Uh, so the running game got going. But I thought Geno Smith did what he was supposed to do, you know. I thought he gave the Seahawks an opportunity to win. But I, Loki, or honestly, I just feel so bad for him, man. He, yeah. he works so hard. He's prepared every single week. He's a great dude in that locker room, has respect of every single person at the VMAC. And uh, it was tough to see, you know, the last play, you know, the fumble come down in, in his hand and set up a, a game-winning field goal for the Steelers because I thought he played well enough for the Seahawks to get a win. So it's just hard to see, but big ups to Geno for stepping in there and keeping the Seahawks afloat. And he was doing the right thing in that moment. There's a two-man route. Uh, combination out there. Got DK on the right. I believe Lockett was on the left. DK was trying to go across the middle. He was locked up. Lockett wasn't open either. What do you do? You tuck the ball and you run. Just a really good play by TJ Watt. All right, another playmaker, Alex Collins, 20 carries, 101 yards, one touchdown. The first 100-yard rusher since December 2019, which I think is crazy. I, I, I feel like Chris Carson goes for 100 every other game, but that's not the case. Alex Collins stepped in and really set the tone that second half. Now, he left the game with something going on with his hip, his quad. Sounds like he's going to be okay. So next week, I think they're going to lean on this guy again. He's showing, like, look, I can handle it. Give me the rock. Don't forget, I rushed for, what, 900 to 1,000 yards with the Baltimore Ravens. I've been here. I've done that. It was nice to see Alex Collins get this offense going. Yeah, and it seemed like he was more patient. I feel like uh, you guys talked about it, you and Robert Turbin and Ray Roberts and stuff, that he, against the against the Rams, he, he missed a couple cuts that were there. And, and this game, I feel like he had another game under his belt. He knew he was starting. Um, he was prepared, and I thought he looked great. And he, like I said, he was the reason the Seahawks got back in the game. That drive alone, hard-nosed running. He's spinning off dudes. So big ups out AC for, for, for showing out. Uh, another playmaker, DK Metcalf, wasn't the, the loud game we're used to seeing, whether it was him or Tyler Lockett. He had six receptions, 58 yards, had the one fumble late in the game. Um I think with him, I like that uh, even in a game where – because Gino didn't throw for a ton of yards, so he, he was still active. He had six receptions. He was involved in the game. Um, but I think I think he's he's a guy that he's taking that next step in the sense of he can still help the team and contribute when things aren't going great offensively. He's still going to get down there. He's great blocking downfield. He's, he's running his tail off. So good to see DK just – it's almost like – um, in baseball, they talk about it. If you're like a starting pitcher, you don't have your fastball. If you don't have this, but how else are you going to continue to help the team? And he was battling through some cramping issues throughout the game, which probably hampered him at times, but he was still effective, still found ways to help out this team. So good work by DK. Yep, good work, DK. Let's go to the linebacker group. Bobby Wagner and Jordan Brooks both had 14 tackles. Um, 
typical day for Bobby Wagner, double digits. You know what I mean? Jordan Brooks is starting to evolved and emerged into a guy that you can count on. I mean, we talk about this defense having one of their best days of the year. These guys are why um, when you have guys on that second level, who are going to wrap dudes up, um, not allow these big explosive plays. You should have a good day. So Bobby Wagner, Jordan Brooks, 14 tackles. Nice to see. Oh yeah. And here's the one I'm, I'm the most excited about other than Geno Smith is my guy, DJ Reed, man. These corners have been taking heat this season. All season long, yes. whether it was their fault or not, balls are going to get completed on you in the National Football League, especially if you're off and you're playing cover three. Well, the thing that I loved about the corners was they were active, man. DJ Reed, nine tackles, two passes defensed. And you could just say, and that's the thing. The next step I wanted to see these corners take was take the ball away, make impact plays. We were racking our brains. We weren't seeing pass breakups from the secondary. And what I loved is they were, they were more aggressive. They were up and they were bump and run sometimes. They mix that up with some zones, some quarters, some some cover two, that kind of thing. And DJ, he just made some plays, made plays on the football, saved a couple big plays, knocking the ball out a couple times. So I just love to see him being active. And shout out to Trey Brown, who comes in after Sidney Jones gets banged up, and he makes a huge play. So love to see the corners being active, but I think that's a really good sign moving forward because we know, yes, they are talented enough to get it done. This next step is taking the ball away, and I think they got – they're definitely on the right track after the game we just had. They are moving in the right direction. Okay, here's the wide receiver roundup. We talked about DK, six catches, 58 yards on seven targets. Gerald Everett got involved. He had two catches for 40 yards. Tyler Lockett, two for 35, one big reception. I believe that was in overtime or the fourth quarter down the sideline. Uh, DJ Dallas had five for 33. He was big in the fourth quarter. Gina was using him in a bunch of checkdowns. Travis Homer had one for 27. Penny Hart, one for 12. Nice catch on the sideline. Will Disney had two for eight in the touchdown. Philip Dorsett, first reception as a Seahawk in his second stint with the Seahawks. He had one for three. Alex Collins, one for minus three. Freddie Swain, one negative four. A lot of football players touched the football in the past game. That is good. Now, let's break down a play in the coach's corner. Yeah, man, I mentioned it earlier, Trey Brown. It's third and four in overtime. The Steelers are backed up facing, and the Seahawks have not been great in some of these short uh, third-down yardage situations. They end up coming up big, and Trey Brown was the man who answered the call. Ben stands strong, pump fakes. Now he's being chased. Now he's going to throw near side. Getting hit, getting pushed back. Trey Brown, what a play on Ray Ray McLeod. He catches the ball to McLeod. He was about a yard and a half from picking up the first down, and Trey Brown, like a rocket, comes in. He hits him and knocks him on his wallet, and the Steelers are going to be forced to punt. What a play by the rookie. Yeah, Trey Brown, man. Um, Paul Moore said it the best last night. He goes, this was one of the first plays where I saw a DB look like a DB. You hear Trey Brown talk about the play afterwards. He says, look, we were in quarters. So if you're in quarters, he has like his deep fourth of the field, right? His job is to not let anything get behind him. He's lined up over Chase Claypool. He uses the right technique, opens up his hips, but he keeps his eyes inside to kind of see what the quarterback is doing. Claypool runs kind of like a curl around eight to 10 yards. And there's a receiver going out to the flat. That's Ray Ray McLeod. Now, instead of just letting Ray Ray catch that ball over committing, man, he kind of stalks. Ben Roethlisberger, he says, look, I saw Ben rolling to the right. I saw his shoulders turn to McLeod, and then I just broke on the football. That's the easy part. Now you got to come downhill and secure the bag and make this tackle. He did exactly that, kept his head out the way. Huge play on third down, giving the Seahawks a chance to win the ball game. 
Yeah, you mentioned it. I love this play. That was my favorite play of the game, exactly. I think Paul hit the nail on the head about just seeing a great DB play. And it's just the thing I loved about it, it's just technically sound. There is times this year where we've seen some things that weren't as sound from the cornerbacks. And Trey Brown just makes a great play. When you're in cover four, you know, across the board, you can be a little bit more aggressive. You don't have to bail right away. Uh, and he just does a great job, and he's reading the quarterback. And they talk about that stuff even at the high school level. Boom, you turn your shoulders. It's not a soft pump fake. Now you know that ball's coming out now. And he puts his foot in the ground and gets downhill. I mean, that is about that. If you're teaching tape, if you're young, if you're a high schooler, if you're, you're playing football at any level, that is how you teach it. That is how you break on the football. That's how you make plays, especially in the NFL. And you just love to see it. Coach Pete Carroll has been raving about how good they think this guy could be. And he was going to compete to play right at the beginning of the season, but he obviously suffered an injury and he was out for a couple weeks, but he came back and he's ready to go. And I won't be surprised. He's going to be pressing for playing time and they're going to have to play him. I think at this point with what he showed on Sunday night and what he's going to show in practice, he's going to make sure that he gets on the field. And that's why they they drafted him in the fourth round because they thought he's a guy, despite his size, that can come into this league and make plays right away. And he we saw that on Sunday. So I'm really excited about it. I know some people – we're concerned that if we march out DJ Reed and Trey Brown, we have two short corners. The Seahawks normally have taller corners, this and that. I don't think that's an issue. You need guys out there that are going to break on the football, they're going to make plays, or they're not going to get beat deep. And we saw that from DJ Reed and Trey Brown. So I would love to see a lot more of that combination moving forward. Goal against the grain, Pete. Them little dudes a chance. The DB is a feisty. All right. We usually want to talk about the victory formation in this segment, but not this week. The clock ran out. A knee taken by Hundley. They're just going to let the clock wind down. Pete's not even going to bother taking that last time out. All right, clock ran out. For the first time since Russell Wilson has been a Seahawk, he did not play, and they did not have Chris Carson. Um, That's a recipe for disaster, but at the end of the day, these guys were still in the game. It was a tell of two halves. The Seahawks really found themselves in the second half, just came up short. How did they find themselves? They started running the football. They threw one pass on that 10-play drive to score a touchdown, and it was a screen pass. They weren't even pushing that thing down the field. So uh, you don't have Russell Wilson. You rely on the run. You're still in this ball game. Yeah, absolutely. That I loved hearing that, and Pete Carroll talked about it on his radio show this morning, just committing to the run. That That is Pete Carroll football. That's Seahawks football. Some people might not like it. And you can do both. That doesn't mean now they're going to come out and run it on first and second down every single time, throw it on third yeah. down. They're going to be 75% run, 25% pass. No, it's balance. And like we've talked about all year, and we finally saw it, when you need to run the ball, if you're able to, that opens up everything. And, and they really got the offense going. And on the defensive side, man, they finally responded. We've been asking for that unit to show up, and they finally did on a big stage. Um, that was the best performance we've seen from them since the Colts game. Um Steelers, even though they didn't have Juju Smith-Schuster, they have weapons. They have dudes that can play. Uh, Ben Roethlisberger is a lot older now, but he gets the ball out fast, and it's difficult. Um, Jamal Adams is playing a lot closer in the box uh, on Sunday, which I love to see. They brought him a lot more pressures. Uh, We got to see Marquise Blair, Ryan Neal out there making plays. So love to see the defense stepping up, especially the corners. Um, So I'm hoping they can – I'm hoping this is a turn. It happened last year. I'm hoping this is a turn, and we can see that kind of from the defense for the rest of the year. All right, this is the situation they are in. They are two and four on the season, and they're battling for their playoffs lives. The Saints come into Seattle on Monday for Monday Night Football. We never want to say it's must win, but, I mean, I feel like the last three weeks we've been saying it. So let's just keep rolling. It is a must win game, all right? Seahawks, 
You win this one. You win the next one. You get a bye. Hopefully you get your quarterback back. Hopefully Chris Carson is healthy. Everyone starts to figure out who they are, and you get going. going to be a huge game on Monday. Oh, no question about it. It's going to be back at Lumen Field. The Seahawks have lost two games at home in Lumen Field. I don't think there's ever been a time in Russell Wilson's career uh, since Pete and them have been together that they've lost three games in a row at Lumen Field. So hopefully the tide changes there. And you mentioned it, backs up against the wall. They need to come out and need to make plays. They have an extra day this week of practice and preparation. You figure out a way to win this game. You win the next game. You're 4-4 four and four going into the bye. Maybe get Russell. And now you can find a way to put some wins together. Maybe you you find a way to get to 11 wins, get back to the playoffs, but none of that matters unless you don't get it done on Monday Night Football, so it should be a good contest. Looking forward to it. All right. Seahawks lose to the Steelers 23-20 to in overtime. Geno Smith battles just comes up a bit short. That was Hawk Talk. I'm Michael Bumpus. He is Nasty Chobi. Thanks for listening. Talk to you guys soon.